Four albums into their career, Richmond, Virginia hardcore legends Avail released what many to consider to be their masterpiece, Over the James. The album was sort of a love letter to the band's hometown, and more importantly, it set the bar for an entire generation of musicians to come. On this episode of Discologist, we're discussing Avail's legacy, their eye for a great cover, and much, much more. So tune in and turn it up as we celebrate 21 years of Avail's Over the James. Four, three, two. It was merely a two-word review. It just a shit sandwich. I just don't like music, alright? Welcome back, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned into Discologist. I am your host, Kevin. As usual, we are coming to you live-ish from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Got a great little podcast for you today, a little episode talking about a band that uh, that I didn't realize was really so in my past, but uh, talking about The Veil, uh, their album Over the James is 21 years old. It's a remarkable album. It sort of set the stage for a lot of what was hum musically. Uh, in the mainstream, even if they didn't necessarily get into the mainstream, this was a a loud as fuck, uh, wear your heart on your sleeve band from Richmond, Virginia, or at least they were based there when I was there, and uh, and they crushed it. Fronted by Tim Barry, uh, you might have seen him in some of these acoustic shows he's been doing. They uh, they just sort of represented the town, and at that time, uh, Richmond was a very kind of weird place. Uh, it was uh, in the in a good way. You know, it was weird, like, people talk about Portland, and it was the art scene was great, because the VC art scene is there, and uh, the jazz scene was great. We got people coming up, uh, in fact, I think Space Bomb, a lot of those guys, uh, sort of came up from that scene in the, in the 90s. But the hardcore and the metal and the loud music was where it's at. Avail was leading the charge, and uh, and they, uh, in many ways, changed the world. So, when it came time to talk about it, we were like, yes, we're going to talk about Over the James. Uh I kind of hope, you know, if you haven't heard this album or you don't know this band, I think you're in for a real treat. If you like stuff that's loud, if you like stuff that's awesome, like the heart and the sleep, you're fucking, you're ready. You're ready to receive this gift that Avail left for you. And and if you have heard of Avail, if you love Avail even, uh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll give you a little more information or maybe it's just fun to hang out with people celebrating uh, music that we all love. So that's what we're going to be doing. Our friend Drew is going to be joining us. Uh, but before that, we're going to play a little track. Kicking off the album uh, is the track Deepwood. So that's what we're going to do. So uh, get ready. Get in the pit, kids. Here comes a veil with the track Deepwood off of Over the James. Tell the truth, but if you're afraid of the promise, it's afraid of the truth it contains. I know I have it always, 
There's a little bit of deep wood off of Over the James uh, Avails album that is now 21 years old, if you can believe that. Uh, Drew, I think you can believe that. You are, um, like me, a fan of this band. I think maybe a little bit bigger than this uh, a fan than I am, but uh, I had the benefit of being around for this taking place in Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, I had a, the benefit of being around when it was sort of taking place a little bit earlier in yeah. uh, suburban Washington, D.C., in the little town called Reston, Virginia. Or, yeah. a, I'm sorry, a place called Reston, Virginia. Is it not a town? <laughs> it is not a town. No, it is part of uh, Fairfax uh, County, Virginia. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think this is one of the most important punk bands of the nineties. Um, I think if you take the West coast away, you arguably are talking about the most important punk band in the nineties. Uh, you know, you've got this kind of explosion, uh, post grunge explosion of these kind of punk bands coming out, green day offspring, uh, rancid, no effects, all, all these kind of big West Coast bands that 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 signed, you know, big contracts. Maybe no effects didn't, but they kind of started their own label. Um, but, but you know, on the East Coast, you had something different going on, and I kind of feel like Avail probably perfectly represents kind of you know the differences between sort of this West Coast East Coast uh, punk thing that was happening in the '90s and uh, just a just an outstanding band, an explosive live band, as as you saw. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, you know, I remember, and and I think it was one of the CD release shows for this one at a little place called Alley Cats. But uh, I remember being taken to see this band by my friend uh, Jason Steed. He went by the name of Tink. He was the drummer in My War uh, because in the mid to late nineties, uh, you know, hardcore was just really exploding in Richmond, Virginia, and Avail certainly was leading the way. Um, but you know, Tink was in with all these guys, and he said, "Come see this band." And, uh, you know, I think anybody who knows me knows that, you know, I might not be the most likely guy you see at a hardcore show. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but it did. And, and, it, and it was amazing. And, and I saw him a bunch of times. And, uh, Ed Trask, the drummer at that point, you know, uh, served many a Bloody Mary at Millie's in Richmond, Virginia. And, and, you know, what always struck me as this band is that, you know, you say that they were maybe one of the most important bands uh, of this, this era. And I always just saw them as these hometown dudes, and I knew they were a little bigger uh, than than we got to see. But like the fact that like all their songs are like very specific to Richmond, Virginia. Um, you look on this over the James, you know that's uh, basically half of Richmond looks over the James, or most of Richmond looks over the James. James, you have. Um, Songs like Scuffle Town, songs like Lombardi Street, um, Nickel Bridge, which we're going to get to. And, you know, it's it's almost uh, it's just funny, like in hindsight, that they're taking these little pieces of of what everyday life was like in Richmond at the time and turning them into what I guess was punk anthems for the world. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely anthemic music there there's no doubt but there's this kind of you know gritty authenticity to what they were doing um it's almost you know i i see that you know people call it melodic hardcore um or or emo and, and 
I, I guess I can kind of understand that. I mean, whatever became of emo in the, you know, two thousands just like does not resemble in any way what, what avail was doing. Um, but there is, you know, I think, I think that's one of the things avail kind of had, you know, as one of their trademarks was just this kind of authenticity, you know, like not selling out in punk is, is this kind of big deal and avails kind of the flag bearer for not selling out. You know, they, they're kind of a nineties version of get in the van, you know, just the road dogs. Um, there's this, uh, you know, kind of aborted documentary from, I guess, roughly about 10 years ago. Um, and it's, you know, the, the trailer for it you can find on YouTube and it's basically just all these different bands like, I don't know, Strike Anywhere or Hot Water Music that are all kind of pointing to Avail as like, hey, Avail's the, you know, they taught us how to be a band. You know, they kind of, you know, they maybe didn't create the blueprint, but they updated that blueprint for, you know, the 90s and the 2000s of how to be a punk band, DIY ethic, hit the road. And, and just, you know, For sure. um, do the thing. And, and you have, they're, they're fronted by this guy named Tim Barry, who, um, you know, is, is a, is a figure around Richmond still is, uh, you know, lived in Oregon Hill and, uh, has made a, a career and proven to be, uh, or he's revealed his songwriting to be, uh, exceptional when stripped of all this noise. Uh, he's had a couple good acoustic records, some uh, great acoustic tours, and people have still like kept up with with this. And so it's not just a regional thing, uh, even though uh, you know he's a family guy now. We have all gotten older, and and so he generally tours. Like he'll play DC a few dates. He'll play maybe a little further north, maybe a little further south, but nothing too big. It it, it you know that that DIY ethic in the sense that um, this is just sort of part of their lives rather than. They're chasing down fame, I think, is is one of the hallmarks of of Avail and a lot of the bands that they sort of spawned. I know in Richmond, man, like people just they're right there with Guar, right? As far as these bands that like defined the culture of Richmond. For people who haven't been there, I know I know there's been an explosion of that music scene lately, but it's uh it's just the weirdest artiest community ever because it and it's like any community is you have your artists and you have your your incredibly poor sections of town and, and there's segregation and stuff but it it somehow all works and made room for this made room for like lamb of god which was burned the priest the metal scene was huge at this time uh that was coming out and off, honestly it was kind of indistinguishable so you can see a show where a band uh like avail was playing and then see burn the priest literally. Uh, and you know, you don't think of that of, the, of like a Southern thing. At least I never thought about it as a Southern thing, even when I lived there. Right. That's more like big city, New York. Yeah. I mean, obviously a veil is, uh, you know, a Richmond is, is a, is a Southern city. Um, and a veil's kind of worn that on their sleeve. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I, I kind of almost get more of a New Jersey working class sort of blue collar vibe from from what they're doing than than something southern, you know. And and, and as you said, Tim's got this, um, you know, pretty successful solo career uh, where it's just him and a, an acoustic guitar. And when he plays live, he's known to just, you know, ditch the skate stage and just kind of go down into the middle of the crowd on the floor and just kind of, you know, lead this 
sort of modern kind of folk punk hootenanny kind of uh, a show. And it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty, impre- it's pretty explosive. I think even when it's just him, it, it, it's honestly, it's honestly Springsteenian mm-hmm. in a way, uh, you know, this model of this every man uh, and this every man leading his band to, to conquer the world. Um, you know, it definitely got knocked around at some of these shows, um, but it was joyful. Oh, sure. I'm retired from the pit. You know, what I mean? right, right, right. But like some of the songs, um, you know, Scuffle Town is like third per capita next year, number one. It's like some right, ridiculous rallying cry. Uh, there's not a lot there, but it just makes you feel good. I want to, I want to play a song called Nickel Bridge. There's a lot of songs on this that are, um, another thing about Barry's writing is I think it's, it's uh, sometimes it is just from the, perspective of a very youthful person dealing with relationships but i i honestly like consider it a little gothic and maybe that's just pasting the fact that it's in the south onto this but like nickel bridge is is a actual bridge in in richmond virginia and it kind of divides uh the art side from uh midlothian the south side uh, and uh you know the song's about leaving stuff behind and it's sort of appropriate so here's a little bit of nickel bridge To like it's an acoustic break, right? And nobody was no, literally like people weren't people were afraid to do that. If you were in the hardcore scene, yeah, I mean, there's a little. It's not you know loud, quiet, loud, but it's it's enough to kind of create this dynamic, you know, change in a lot of their songs. That um, yeah, I hate to keep using that term explosive, but I, I recall seeing a veil around 93 or 94 in Richmond at the flood zone, uh, you know, it was sold out. There were people trying to sneak in through the windows on the, you know, outside of the building. It just had, there was a, there was a, you know, a real feeling of excitement there. And when they played, it was, it was just one of the most powerful shows I had ever seen at that point. And, you know, having, you know, sort of known these guys since high school, they were, they were a couple of years older than me, but you know, my brother was friends with some of them. I, I had, you know, friendly acquaintances with them and, and just watching what they had gone off, you know, left rest and behind and, and went down to Richmond. Um, obviously Richmond was a pretty good choice for them and just seeing, you know, what they were able to accomplish in a couple of years and what kind of band they became was, um, you know, it was, yeah, it was awesome to see. 
Well, you know, I, I want to talk about that too because, like, I actually wasn't aware until you brought it up that they had done time in Reston, and you know, that's that's a that's an important thing because that would put them around the time of like Fugazi. Sure. Yeah. I mean, something interesting happened in Reston, Virginia in the late eighties. I, you know, to me, it was really mind blowing to, to, to witness. Um, personally, I don't know how unique it was, but it felt really unique. Um, obviously Reston's a suburb of DC and what was going on in DC in the eighties, you had first, you know, minor threat and, Bad brains were always looming really large. And then in the mid 80s, you had bands like Rites of Spring, uh, uh, Dag Nasty, uh, you know, uh, Fugazi was just coming out in the late 80s. And that was absolutely dominating in the Reston music scene. I mean, it was it was a direct uh, influence of the bands that were going on. But you had this explosion of bands in this little suburb. Um, you know, there's LDK and hostile environment and doubt and enough and not head. They'd put, you know, shows on at the uh, community center, these kind of jam for man events. Uh, there'd be like afternoon shows in people's garages that would always get shut down like three songs in when the cops would show up. Um, you, you had Cedar Crest, which is this now defunct uh, uh, country club in centerville virginia i believe is where it was kind of located and there was a uh, skate ramp um on the grounds of this uh, country club and there would be punk shows right. there and um <laughs> scream played and and yeah it was yeah. uh you know there was just something really happening it's 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 totally gone now you know a lot of those folks have gone on to do cool things too um you know transilience was this kind of weird proggy Bad Brains influenced uh, metal band um, led by Spooky Rubin, who kind of went off to Canada and had a, had a really interesting kind of electro pop career since then. Um, Jerry Barrett from LDK went on to play bass for HR and uh, Corrosion of Conformity's side project, uh, COC Blind. Uh, Dave Stone from Enough has gone on to do a bunch of bands, uh, most recently Rise Defy, which you can see in uh, the D.C. area. So it's just there there was there were so many bands and so much talent just happening all at once in this little town. And, you know, included in that was was a veil. And they just so happened to be kind of the one band that, you know, decided to really make a go at this. And and if you're going to make a go at something, you're not going to stay in a in a place like Reston. You got to go somewhere where, you know, there's more people and there's more of a scene and. You know, I think rents are cheap in in rich in Richmond. Yeah, you you uh, you go south. You go somewhere. You know, it could have been Baltimore. It could have been Richmond. It, you know, probably DC was pr probably a lousy choice, but Richmond makes sense. Um, and uh, you know, I don't know what what kind of environment they found themselves in when they got there, but you know, it, it didn't take long before there really was this this you know vibrant kind of punk scene happening. I want to play another song uh, real quick here. And this is, I believe you said this is one of your favorite songs of all time. Is that right? This is definitely, it's, it's absolutely my favorite avail song. And it's just, it, it, it's, it's definitely up there uh, for me in all time songs. There's just something about this song that just knocks me. Over. I need a place to lay my head safely out of sight from where I am somewhere on control where no one's led 
Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. How, how can you not just be moved out of your seat listening to that song? Yeah, you just want to break shit. But in the best way. Yeah. In the best way. You just want to break the bad shit. Break the bad shit, yeah. yeah. Break the bad shit. You know, yeah. break out of, uh, you know, whatever, you know, whatever uh, funk you're in and, and, and break some bad shit and feel better. That's what I get out of that song. Yeah, is that is that what you get out of hardcore in general? You think? Uh, you know, when when I do listen to it, yeah, I mean, I have to be in a certain mood. I'm, you know, I admit that I'm not a big lyric guy. Um, I, I like the way lyrics sound if they sound good, um, and a really really good lyric will will clinch it for me, and a really really bad lyric will ruin it for me. But otherwise. Um, I think that these guys have, you know, Tim, Tim writes some great lyrics and, uh, I can, I can, I can vibe out to it. A lot of these songs are only like four lines long. And I think that, and that's a highlight of, of, of hardcore in general is like, you have, uh, these very quick, like just, pun- I mean, look, the longest song on here is, uh, there's not three minutes and 52 seconds. <laughs> so, right. Um, you know, but most of them are under two minutes or, or right around two minutes. So uh, they're getting in, they're getting out and they're giving you this jolt of life and stuff. And, you know, one, one thing that I've always um, and I've enjoyed revisiting this album, uh, any art form like this, I, I feel often is meant to be seen live. It's meant to be experienced. That's the point. And, and I don't that's not the point with all music, but with this, uh, it doesn't mean get in the pit but maybe be off to the side of the pit. You'll get the picture, right? <laughs> if some kid comes flying by you. Uh, oh, and you absolutely can, can, can really experience it without jumping into the pit. Um, yeah. You know, definitely like, yeah, stand off to the side, uh, stay up on, you know, on the rail on the, on the upper balcony and just take it all in because it's a, it's a really, I mean, you don't probably have a chance to do that. Um, they do have these two uh, reunion shows coming up. Um, yeah, and, that's what I was going to say. And, uh, you know, that'll probably it if, if, if they do, if, if this reunion does lead to, you know, say a, a short East coast tour that, you know, maybe just happens to bring them to say, you know, the nine thirty club or auto bar guys, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. um, yeah. If, if it don't miss the show though, don't sleep on it. Cause that'll probably be it for them. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, maybe not, uh, you know, if they, if they're reformed and they're, and they're sort of doing the thing again, I think, uh, maybe they got out of this, you know, it's 21 years. Maybe they sort of got out of this. What I got out of this is that this feels 
like a classic that I might have slept on that a lot of people might have slept on. There's no doubt a lot of people slept on it. You know, perhaps they could have signed to some bigger label, um, something bigger than Lookout or, or Fat Records um, and, and reached a wider audience. Um, they chose not to do that. Um, I think, you know, obviously that adds to their, uh, you know, underground cred. It might have ruined them. Um, but yeah, you know, they, they, it's possible that this is one of those situations where they're bigger now than they were back in their heyday. You know, they, 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 they sold out two shows at the national in Richmond, which is bigger, a bigger venue than they would, than they would play back in their heyday. Yeah, for sure. And, and they sold, it's important to note that they sold out the first show in 10 seconds. Yeah, I, I think. You know, I think the second show probably went, uh, you know, about as fast. I think that with the second show, they uh, they opened it up for sale in person. Um, so so I think that was just a nod to to, you know, their their Richmond folks, um, you know, to give them a better chance of, of, of getting in because they just went so fast. Right, right, right. So who's going to be I mean, is, is this going to be like an older audience is going to be experiencing this. You think it's going to be like young kids. Like what's the, what's the penetration here? Because like, you know, one thing about there's a reissue um, and something we haven't talked about is that they were always unafraid to do covers. And there are uh, some fucking great covers on this reissue. You may be right by Billy Joel, your favorite, and uh, Suspicious Minds, <laughs> and and they're great, and they're they're what you saw literally every other pop punk or punk band do in the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, I, you know, is it going to be a, a you know their older audience coming out or or a younger audience or a mix? I, I don't know. I, I read a an interview with with Tim, um, you know, timed to the announcement of this reunion. Um, and he said, you know, a lot of his fans, you know, fans of his solo stuff weren't necessarily aware that he, you know, was once in this band called Avail. Um, and so, you know, that I guess is a testament that he's really been, uh, you know, putting the work in and the time in over the last, you know, decade plus to, to do the solo thing and has really kind of established his own, um, you know, his own thing separate from, from the band that he was once in. So, you know, I don't know that I think that there's a possibility that a whole new generation is kind of getting exposed to a veil. I mean, you've got bands like Bouncing Souls and Lagwagon you know, hyping this reunion. So, there, you know, there's going to be a lot of, of fans of those bands that are like, wait, who is the band they're talking about? Let me go, you know, let me go check them out. Um, and, and I guarantee they're going to like what they hear. And even back then, even when this album was made, this was the band that started bands. Like kids went to and heard this or saw this and were like, fuck, I got to be in a band, man. I got to do what they're doing. Yeah, they, you know, they, they weren't, you know, you take a band like, uh, you know, no effects, for instance, they're, you know, super hyper technical, um, band major chops, um, not to take anything away from a veil. I actually think that this is kind of a plus for them is they were never this like, you know, super technical precision kind of band, you know, veils music was, was, you know, all heart, um, all sweat. 
you know, it, sometimes it got a little messy and, 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 and scratchy and that kind of a thing. But that was like a big part of the appeal to me as opposed to, you know, um, some, some maybe more technical merits. Um, but, you know, if you look at what they're doing, I mean, you know, Joe Banks and his guitar work is uh, is really, really unique. It doesn't sound like anybody else's guitar uh, style. Um, it's not a metal ish kind of guitar style it's got it's there's a certain melodicism to to what he's doing and, and the riffs that he plays and he he doesn't really do solos um so yeah he, he's serving the song yeah yeah i think you know i think that they i think they all are um i, I love the drums um that eric larson is throwing down on this album and, and some of their early albums it's the, you know he gets these really big uh cymbal swell buildups into uh you know into the the big changes and the big choruses and that kind of a thing. And I think after this album, he, he left to go form a Richmond uh, metal outfit called Alabama Thunder Pussy. And that's right. And that, that's, right. that's, that's when uh, Ed Trask stepped in, who's uh, in an outstanding drummer in his own right. And, and, uh, and a amazing artist down in Richmond doing these like big, big building murals and, and other things. I think like, you know, pr- you know, a lot of the guys in, in a veil have, stayed in 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 richmond they've stayed in that and they were already integrated in that like i said ed was a, he worked at millie's which uh if you haven't been to millie's in richmond it's one of the best brunch spots in the united states uh whether you think brunch is evil or not um it's just it's a fantastic restaurant uh and it's open for more than brunch but you know there's a line has been a line since the 90s down the corner uh i think it's interesting what you were saying about the symbol thing and this is another thing that i think what makes avail great what makes this album sort of uh persist uh maybe more so than their other albums um you don't often think of punk hardcore as people actually paying attention the people making music is paying attention to delivering a show they're there, you know. We often uh, associate it with dogmatism. We associate it with politics. We associate it uh, with um, just outrage. And those fills by Eric Larson and those buildups and everything, uh, you know, Avail was about delivering a show. Like they were there to entertain um, and deliver a message. And that that is uh, that's a that's a fine line to be drawn. And a lot of bands just weren't interested in that period. And so when you saw them, you got a fucking show, man. Well, hey, they had a cheerleader. You yeah, know? they had a cheerleader. That's you what got, I'm saying. You got Bo Butler. He's the official cheerleader of Avail. Um, you know, probably, you know, one one of the better rock and roll hype men in, in history. I mean, he's 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 definitely going to, you know, I think uh, amp up the, the band and the crowd and, and sing, you know, get the sing-alongs going and um, yeah. obviously having an extra set of hands to, to load in gear and drive the van also <laughs> helps too. But well, he, now, now, now you're just inside baseball. <laughs> it, it always helps. Yeah, it does. It does. But you know, that, I, I think that sets them apart. It sets them apart today. I think the people who are going to see them at the national are, uh, extremely lucky, especially if they never saw them before. And, uh, I think you're right. I think they should do, uh, at least tour, so you can see East Coast them, right? tour guys. East Coast tour. Um, so 
look, this album is great. It's 21 years old. Anniversaries are a good time to check out something. So dig into this, dig into the rest of their catalog. You're going to love it, especially if you love Tim Berry, especially if you love uh, 90s pop punk or you want to hear, I, I guess, good emo. You know, I missed emo, dude. I'm glad. I, I don't even emo. know what emo is. <laughs> yeah, emo. I, I, I think they set the template. Uh, let's say that. Uh, even if they didn't mean to. Uh, well, then they threw away the template when they were done, and all these emo bands came out in the 2000s that I just don't, you know. Yep. I, I can't get into it. I don't think it has much relation to, to what Avail's doing. I think what Avail's doing is the shit. It is the shit. That's a good way to end it. So uh, thanks for hanging out, Drew. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and uh, finish this episode out. Avails over the James is 21. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And uh, and I kind of hope like you are just hearing about this band because uh, you are, like I said, up front, you're in for a treat. And, you know, look, guys, if you you have no excuse now, this album is five dollars up on Bandcamp. So just go out and get it and dig into it. It's awesome. It is. Their whole catalog is awesome. But this one in particular is uh Man, it's something else. And uh, you guys who are getting to see them in Richmond when they play those few shows, you are some lucky, lucky people. Uh, but, you know, maybe they'll listen to what everybody's saying. As I do a short East Coast tour, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring and say, come to the Midwest, guys. It's been 20 years since I've seen this band. I would love to see them again, although I'm not getting in the pit. That probably would not be for the best. But uh, but uh, congratulations on them and the anniversary. And uh, really, I hope to see them doing more in the future because they were and, uh, and remain an amazing band and some amazing people. That is it for this episode of Discologist. Hope you enjoyed yourself. Hope you come back. Uh, if you did like it, subscribe to it on iTunes. Leave us a rating or message there. And tell your friends. Tell your friends is the most important part. Spread the word. Uh, say, hey, I really like this podcast. I really like these guys talking about music. And maybe you will, too. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about It's getting busy, man. We got Bruce Hornsby has a new album coming out. Damien Gerardo has a new album coming out. A little band called Drug Dealer, which is a new-to-me band, has a great new album coming out called Raw Honey. I can't wait till you guys hear it. That's actually next week. Uh, and a lot of great shows in D.C. and here in Milwaukee coming up, the Milwaukee Psych Festival. Uh, so, you know, this year is just getting going. Can't wait to see what comes next. But we will talk to you in a few short days. Until then, listen to some good music, kids, because life is too short to listen to bad music. Talk to you soon. Per capita, next year, number one!